Have you ever been tempted to give up or check out in your walk with God? Have you been at a place in life's journey where you felt overwhelmed and overshadowed by life's obstacles, setbacks, or heartaches? It could be you are at such a place right now, a place where you are hungering for hope. If so, then Hope Along the Journey podcast is a ministry of encouragement created specifically with you and others just like you in mind. And now, here is your host, Mark Cravens, to share a word of encouragement with you today. Thank you for listening today to Hope Along the Journey podcast. Hi, I'm Mark Cravens, your podcast host, and friend, we're so thankful that you've joined us today. As many of you are aware, this is Pastor Appreciation Month, and I just want to say to all the pastors out there who are listening that I appreciate so much your labors, your sacrifice, your leadership. And I pray that this month will be a very, very special month for you. And to those of you who are listening, who are laymen at a church, I pray that you will seriously think about doing something significant for your pastor to show him how much you love and appreciate him during this month. If you haven't already, it's not too late to do that, because your pastor needs your support and your love and to know that that you love him and appreciate him. I've got on the podcast today a pastor all the way out in Napa, Idaho, none other than Keith Wagner. Pastor Keith, welcome to today's podcast. Man, it is so good to be with you. You know, I, I this whole two-hour difference thing, you know, I got to get up a little bit earlier, but it's a great start, man. It just gives me an excuse to have more coffee. Yeah, yeah and, 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 and listeners, he asked me before we started, he said, now, is this going to be video or just audio? Because he wants to slurp his coffee in between. So, and, and, and I'm sitting here with my coffee mug in my hand. Oh, yeah. So hopefully you won't hear the slurping, but we're definitely going to be on the coffee as we're on this call today. <laughs> Keith, thank you for taking the time. Uh, Keith and I go way back. I can remember when he was just a young boy. His parents are great friends of mine. I've known his family. We go way back, don't we, Keith? Way back. In fact, I think uh, I think the earliest memory that I have might have even been when you were doing an internship with uh, Mac uh, out at Gratz, Pennsylvania. Do I have that right? Yes, that's exactly right. Yeah, yeah. I think that's the first time I, because I still remember, I was just telling somebody the other day, I remember a message that you preached on the prodigal son, except you updated it and contemporized it where he's driving a Mustang or a Camaro. <laughs> I've never forgot that message, man. So it's stuck. <laughs> Wow, that's incredible. Yeah, I, you're right. You're right. I did preach that out there when I was out with Mr. McCrary. Which, just as a sidebar note, I recently uh, talked to to Ray Junior, and I'm yeah. going to get Brother Mac on the podcast here in the near future. You, good oh, memories. Awesome. Good memories. Keith, I, I want to ask you something. Tell us some little known fact about you that maybe most people don't know about Keith Wagner? I mean, like, you know, you played the trombone in high school, or you, you know, are you used to do skydiving, or what? what's a little known fact? Oh, man, that's that's crazy, because with my big mouth, you know, I don't, there's very little <laughs> facts 
<laughs> I didn't say um, that. I didn't say that, Keith. Hey, no, you know, uh, hey, hey, I will tell you, I, I am a skydiver. I'm officially no a way. skydiver. Really? And, and, uh, so, so, you know, I have been initiated jumping out, doing the whole thing, but, you know, outside of that, um, let's see, little, little known fact, um, you know, I probably a lot of people were really shocked when I became a, a pastor because I, yes. my background was always in music right. and that sort of thing. Got an opportunity to travel around with a music group for quite a while. And so like, like some people, uh, some people that know me more recently don't know that I have the music right. background. Right. People that haven't seen me a while might be shocked <laughs> that I'm a pastor. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. So I have a hidden talent, you know. Um, I'm really good at whistling. Um, I'm, you know, hidden talent. I can still play the drums. Can you still man. play the drums? I was getting ready to ask you that. I can still that. play the drums. There you go. I can still pull it out. Now, I, I don't know the whole, uh, you know, for when I was at God's Bible school in college, you know, I'd play the kettle drums. Right. I haven't right. done that for a while, but it's it's good. I remember that, you playing the kettle drums when you were at GBS. And I mean, you played them with intensity. <laughs> kind of like everything you do, right? You do it with hey, all your go heart. go big or go home. That's right. Well, that just kind of brings us right into what I want to talk about today, and that is um, you you have been at Grace Bible Church there in Napa for over 10 years, but you kind of started out, first of all, in music and then as a youth pastor. Tell us a little bit about that journey of transition, how you became a pastor. Yeah, it was it was a really unique journey for me. Um, you know, I <laughs> I tell people really being being a pastor was the last thing on my mind. Not that I was opposed to it. It was just <laughs> yeah. I I never saw myself. You know, I went to GBS, graduated with a degree uh, with my music degree there. Right, right. Uh, following that, you know, taught high school music there at GBS. Assisted uh, Mr. Wolf traveling with the orchestra, acquired helping direct that. Um, man, and, and then just worked for, for GBS for five years. Uh, and, and, you know, even when I came out to become youth pastor, it was one of those dual positions where I led the music and was also the youth pastor. And so probably one of the reasons why I was as shocked as anyone when God uh, really began to call me into pastoral ministry was the fact that, man, this is just my evaluation. I was a terrible youth pastor. I, I, no, I was great connecting with kids, but, and I didn't know how to preach. I didn't know what to do. I look back, it's like a miracle that like those kids survived, that I made it. Yeah, but, uh, yeah. It was just a unique transition. You know, after, uh, after I had been a youth pastor for just a little while, I ended up joining a Southern Gospel Quartet, Liberty Quartet, okay. uh, out of the Boise area, and I traveled with them for almost six years. And I really enjoyed that. I really did. Um, so people ask me, do I miss it? I don't. I, I really don't. But I can say this. I, I loved I loved it all up until the day God, God called me here to grace to be the lead pastor here. Um, but, but, you know, it was, it was unique. I did not understand what God was doing. And, and without telling all the details, in 2001, I was a recruiter for GBS, was out here at Grace uh, visiting the school that they had at the time. I was in a service and, and, and Mark, I'm telling you, I'm not one of these, these people that's, that can say I've had all these huge God moments where it's just, right, right. you have the vision, the dream or the, the voice. Um, but on this particular morning during the worship service, as clear as a bell, God, God said, you're going to be here at Grace Bible Church. And, and this was in, I think, 2000 or 2001. Mm-hmm. And it was so clear that I told Lori when I got back home and it, it was 
it was three or four years before God called me there. Right. And it was unique because I was only there for a year and a half. And, uh, you know, I've, I've, I always thought, why would God make it so clear for me to just come out and be a youth pastor for a year and a half? And that's it. Well, fast forward to 2011, where God opened the door, called me there to grace. I, I still remember it was a crazy, crazy introduction. I, I, I tell the story, you know, and I'm not, this is no joke. After my first message, we lost 10% of the crowd that never came back. That, that was it. In the first two weeks. That was a powerful and, and listen, message, not, wasn't it? Hey, I'm not exaggerating anything here. In my first two weeks of being pastor at Grace, 75% of my ministry leaders resigned. Not, not that they had a personal thing with me. They were just tired, burnt out, ready to move on. And, and, and when I say ministry leaders, our volunteer ministry leaders. Right, right. And I remember thinking, I just missed the call of God. I blew this. What is going on? And it was my third Sunday. And during the worship service, I had what I just say another God moment. And it was as clear as a bell when in the middle of my doubts and, right, and right. anxiety and everything, God said, when I called you in 2001, I was not calling you to be youth pastor. I was calling you for this season. Mm-hmm. And, and it was weird. I, I think I needed that confirmation. God knew I needed that confirmation Absolutely. because mm-hmm. I will tell you, since my third Sunday here at Grace, though <laughs> there have been some challenges, I've never doubted the calling. I've known right. that this even if I am a music major, or whatever, this is where God called me, and I'm doing the work of the Lord. Amen. Well, that, I think that's so important, Keith, because sometimes that is what sustains you is the call, is that you yeah. know that you're where God told you to be, and that's yeah. that to me is so important. So when I called you and talked to you about being on the podcast, I told you there were two things I would like for you to share a little bit about today and helping our pastors out and maybe helping even our laymen to understand a little bit about what's going on in the pastoral world. And the first thing was this, what are some of the challenges that you think ministry and pastors and people in ministry, what are, what are we facing today? What are some of the challenges? You know, that's, that's a great question. And um, it's, uh, it's at least out here in Idaho, uh, it's, it's something that is talked about a lot with, with my circle of pastors. I'm, I'm blessed to be part of a group of anywhere from 40 to 50 guys. We lead, uh, we'll have a you know, lunch that we'll get together. Uh, and we, we, obviously, this is something that comes up from, from time to time. In fact, it's come up a lot, specifically uh, since 2020. Right. Um, you know, I, I think the the immediate answer, everybody is talking these days about COVID, the residual effect of COVID, what that means. And this, there is no doubt that that it, it wasn't just that we were leading to people through a time that they'd never been before. We were actually leading them through a time. I mean, we'd never been there before. Right, right. And somebody asked me last week, they said, knowing what you know now, would you have changed anything about how you led then? And, you know, my, my response was, I probably not. And not that I did everything right. We didn't do everything right. We made mistakes, but you just don't know what you don't know. And sure. we're just trying to That's take right. what we know and, and lead. And so, you know, I, I think probably uh, figuring out in, in 2020, shutting down, opening up, uh, working with, you know, what, where are we compromising? Where are we taking a stand? Right. You know, that's, that's been part of that. But, you know, even beyond the grief 
that many of our families have walked through. And as a pastor, man, that, that, that hurts walking with people through that. And I hear from so many of my friends, yes. you know, walking with families been impacted by COVID. Mm-hmm. What I'm finding to be the largest challenge that pastors are facing, at least mm-hmm. in my area, is, is how we seem to, as churches, have lost our mission. And what what I what I mean by that, and and I want to be really careful because um, the the church is is the bride of Christ, and Christ cares about His bride. He looks after His bride. He protects His bride, and and, and so I don't want to unfairly accuse the, the the church. But I think I think the reality is somehow we have lost our mission. We've lost. Uh, what we've been given to make disciples, train disciples, to walk in love, to walk in obedience. And it's almost like the whole thing of Esau. We've traded in our birthright. We have this glorious, incredible gospel message, and we've traded it in perhaps for a lesser, it's that bowl of soup, if you will, of power, of our political guy getting elected or, uh, Am I going to stand for vaccines or not? And and so what I hear overwhelmingly from my friends is the challenge they're facing is it's this disunity that's within the body and and that that manifests itself on social media and 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 yes. literally within the community is giving the 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 bride of Christ a, a bad name. And and I'll be honest, I don't have answers for that. I mean, we address it regularly in our in our teaching and. And, and, and in a positive way, for instance, you know, what does it look like to walk in love? What does it mean to, to take what we've been given by Christ to live this out? But then also from time to time, I, we have the responsibility as, as pastors and teachers to, to sometimes say things that are uncomfortable and challenging and convicting. And, and there, are, there are times we have to call this out. And I, I know for, for, for me personally, that's probably been one of our biggest challenges here. And, uh, and, and, you know, it's interesting. I had a pastor tell me recently, he said, the thing that, that hurts through this is that many of my, man, many of the, what I would consider the seasoned saints of my church have somehow lost the, uh, you know, you know, lost focus and and the example that has been set for our younger Christians is not there. And so the, so our younger disciples are saying, we don't want that. There's almost these philosophical divides within the congregation. So I I think that that is probably the most significant. Mm -hmm. And, and then I'm just going to talk, let's move from that to almost the personal side. What I'm, what I'm seeing among my friends is it's it's a quiet desperation yes and a quiet isolation in which i i, I can't tell you, i it's rare that a month goes by that i don't have a, one of my buddies reach out to me and say you got to pray for me cuz i think i'm walking away and honestly i've had man i i can it'd be more than my two hands my my 10 fingers count those who have walked away in the last year and a half yes. and so, so something has has been taking place where the pressure is mounting. And I think even we as pastors, I think we've lost focus. We're, we're trying to, we're spending more info, more time on trying to personally build things and keep things together that we're missing out. And I, you know, I, I just think, you know, what you build with your hands, you got to maintain with your hands. And I don't think we're big enough to do that. That's excellent. And I think 
And I think the two actually have come together a lot because I think a lot of pastors are feeling that sense of burnout or frustration because, I mean, you've read the statistics. I have too. I mean, at one point they were saying that when COVID was over, they estimated that up to as high as 20 or 25% of pastors would leave the pastorate once they guided their people through it, all because of the stress and the strain and division and frustration that they were dealing with. And Keith, what you're what you're saying is, Pastor Keith, is not. It just doesn't relate to a church of five hundred. It relates to a church of fifty. Oh, in fact, in fact, that's a great point. Mm-hmm. Many, I, I actually, the more I've thought about this, um, you know, I'm, I'm thankful. I, I'd be the first to tell you that this has been a challenging year and a half, probably the most challenging year and a half that I've, that I've ever faced. And it goes beyond COVID. There are other things that have taken, that have contributed to this. However, one of the things that has sustained me, helped me been such a huge part of, of me remaining spiritually healthy, physically healthy, emotionally healthy during this time has been the fact that I have the privilege and blessing of working with a team. And what I'm finding out is that there are times, now listen, the isolation, desperation happens, pastors of all church sizes, like you pointed out, but many of the pastors of of even smaller congregations, they're the ones that are are talking to me about this. They're they're, they're wrestling and struggling because it's almost like they they don't have anyone in whom they can truly confide, except maybe a denominational leader who isn't there. But I'm talking about somebody that can walk with them, that is there with them. And I, I, I'm telling you, this is a widespread issue for sure. Absolutely. And I, and, you, and I agree with you 110% because I think the, especially for the small pastor who doesn't have the pastoral staff or the team, it's really easy to feel that sense of isolation. Yes. And feels like he's going it alone. So, well, and I will tell you this to, to that point. Mm-hmm. I I have learned just even even this last year and a half. I have such admiration. So some of the guys here in town that I would say that are my heroes are these guys right here, smaller congregations, and and I the many of them that I look to who are leading well. Mm-hmm. Um, are, are those who are leading smaller congregations, but they are they are showing us what it looks like to lean into Christ, to you know, to, to walk right. that road. E- right. Even though we know they're facing the stress, they, they face that. And so, you know, even though there is stress, and I've seen many of my buddies of smaller churches, you know, walk away. I've also seen those who are setting the example for the rest of the pastors in the valley. Right. And I have great appreciation for for the example they're setting for right. us. You mentioned, and and I just want to kind of briefly hit on this, but I think it's important, and that is this matter of self-care, of keeping yeah. yourself spiritually, emotionally, physically healthy with all of these demands. Uh, how important do you feel that is, and, and what would you say to pastors along those lines of trying to stay personally healthy? Well, I, I'll just speak. I'm not just from my standpoint— you cannot overstate this. And so the, here's, here's what I've learned. This is crazy. I, when, when, we were, when Jesus said, love the Lord your God, and, you know, depending on, you know, as he's, you know, recounting Deuteronomy, is if you look at which of the gospel writers, is, you know, it's heart, soul, mind, strength. Mm-hmm. 
I think there's something that there's a reason why he used those four words. It wasn't that he was just trying to put together an outline. They all are part of this. There, there's the heart guarding the heart. I yes. think is huge. The, the guarding of the mind, the, the healthy mind, the healthy soul, the healthy body. I, there is something that I, I, I don't have it all figured out, but I think they all sync together. And in fact, even here at Grace, we've been saying how what we need to think holistically. We're yes. not just thinking of the of, of the soul or just thinking of the heart or the mind. We've got to think of you know the holistic side of this. Because here's what I found personally: when I'm struggling physically, it's impacting me spiritually, it's impacting me emotionally. Absolutely. When I'm struggling spiritually, it manifests itself physically, emotionally. Uh, I, I'm, it's it's the weirdest thing how all of this is tied together. Yes. And so I, I'm going to be like really vulnerable here. In November, we had been going through several things. We'd had another COVID breakout in our congregation. Mm-hmm. There, I had... I had had to make the decision to close down for a, for two or three uh, weeks. I can't remember what it was. It was leading up to Thanksgiving. And, you know, uh, unfortunately, there and it wasn't widespread, but there were a few that were just very vocal, just mm-hmm. coming after you, coming after me. Why are you doing this? You don't, you know, you don't have faith. It, it, yes. and, and it was weird. On a normal day, wouldn't phase me at all. Mm-hmm. But on this particular morning, it was a Saturday morning, I woke up and I literally felt like there was a, a I don't know, 2,000-pound elephant sitting on my chest. And I couldn't, I, I physically couldn't move. I, I emotionally couldn't process. And I, man, I, I, I laid there and started crying. Yeah. And I am not this like emotional type guy, but I, I had hit this point where I, man, I knew there was something wrong. I mean, to the point where even though I felt like I couldn't even move physically, my body was just shaking with sobs so much. So I woke up Lori and she's like, what in the world's going on? We had this conversation. I explained what I was feeling. The next, the next day I reached out uh, Sunday afternoon. I reached out to a buddy of mine who's a counselor. And I said, I gotta, I gotta sit down. And, um, I, I, I sat down with him and, and we literally spent over two and a half hours and, and just as a counselor and with his expertise, he helped me process, work through some of these things. And in fact, I've made counseling part of what I do. I, it's that important. I've got to, I've got to work through yes. Somebody knows how to guide me through this. Mm-hmm. That was, that was a, a crucial point, a turning point for me. And, um, and, and, and it really that showed me, man, I've, I'm unhealthy emotionally and I'm unhealthy um, physically. And I hated to admit it, it was impacting me spiritually. Sure. And and so even through 2021, that has been one of my goals, something that I have been uh, very trying to pay a lot of attention to is maintaining this health. It's so important. That's great. Well, Keith, I really appreciate you sharing that because I think a lot of pastors neglect one or more areas of their li- that of their life in those these areas, you know, physically and emotionally, and and somehow or another we have been able in our minds to kind of like make these separations. But the mm-hmm. truth of the matter is, as you said, it's all woven together, and you can't pull out one strand. But oh. what it doesn't weaken all the other strands in your life, because we are very much holistic people, and. I believe you're spot on with loving God with all our mind or soul or body or strength. There's something yeah. to that. Yeah. Well, let's transition here to yeah. what are you, do you think, or maybe like one or two of the great opportunities 
that we need to seize at this time and what you see as you look at the, the world and as you look at technology, as you look at things in general, what are a couple of the great opportunities that pastors need to be focusing on? Boy, that, that, that could be a good number yeah, of ways. Yeah. <laughs> there, are two that, there are two that just jump out to me okay. immediately. First of all, in this crazy time of divisiveness uh, from a national standpoint, even at a local level, school level, whatever, I think that the church has greater opportunity than ever before to become an integral part of, of community health. Mm-hmm. where we we literally can go back to who we used to be as a church. And I, I have found such incredible opportunities in this season, even since COVID hit, mm-hmm. to make a difference in the community. Because here's what COVID revealed. Very few people have answers. Everybody has complaints and critiques. Very few people That's have true. answers. That's true. And I think as the church becomes more than just a building mm-hmm. that and we stop defining church as a location where we spend mm-hmm. an hour and a half or three hours on a Sunday, maybe a, a midweek service. And we instead embrace the definition of church where we are the people of God who mm-hmm. go. Right. I think there is incredible opportunity for us to make a visible, tangible difference in our communities. I've seen this happen. We're seeing this happen right uh, right here. Uh, we're having the opportunity to, to impact the Latino community. We're having the, the opportunity to uh, make a tangible difference in meeting felt needs. And what I'm finding is, while we don't even go into this pushing the brand, if you will, you know, where it's some slick marketing campaign, we're just being the church. The crazy thing is people are so hungry for that, uh, for to be part of something, a community, right, uh, right. They, they'll come to that. And it's, it's the weirdest thing in these crazy times, we are growing like never before. And, and when I say growing, not just like in a numerical standpoint, growing in, in, uh, and making a difference in the community, meeting needs, mm-hmm. there is so much potential. I think that there's the opportunity for the church to stand out today. I think there's greater opportunity than never before. Now, the key, it comes back to addressing the challenge. Are right. we willing to embrace that? Mm-hmm. That's right. And, and so that would be my first. The the, the second thing would be uh, would, would be this. I, I think people are talking about the things of God, whether or not they're serious about it yet or not. They're at least open to the conversation like never right. before. Right. Absolutely. I, here's the Man, again, we can either look at this negatively or positively. To me, I see incredible opportunities right now in in the craziness that's going on in our nation. I feel like we have more opportunity now to be closer to the New Testament church where we have, we actually can begin to cultivate an eternal perspective. Yes. Uh, yes. We can begin to talk about heaven, long for heaven, all of this. I think we have potential now to preach this message. And, and we've got to make sure. That's why, yes, man, we've got yes, to stay away yes. from focusing on politics and all that. There's a place for that. And I think church needs to be involved in, in, in the public square. But I'm talking about from the pulpit, we have been given the opportunity to preach the gospel. Mm-hmm. And right now, people are asking questions and looking for answers, at least for what I'm seeing, like never before in my 10 years. And so, we're, man, we're seeing incredible, incredible yes. results. Mm-hmm. Uh, people are getting saved, baptized. It's pretty phenomenal. Yeah. And I'm hearing this, and I'm seeing it in my in my own church. 
our church, we're averaging better attendance than we've ever had, and and new things are happening, and and people are seeing this need to build community, to reach lives. We've just recently, here at Kenwood, we now have an afternoon uh, Hispanic service that takes place on Sunday afternoons, and about 40 Hispanic people are meeting here. I mean, there's just... I just think that people are looking for answers. I mean, when they're seeing death and dying all around them and they're hearing all of this news that makes us aware of the brevity of life, then suddenly a voice that talks about looking at life from an eternal perspective is so needed. Hey, I'll throw out, uh, man, if you want to make a difference in the community and if you want to start on a small level, I'll just give you a hint. Mm-hmm. If if your church will start a grief share yes. ministry, people who have nothing to do with the Lord will show up. Right now, there are so many people grieving in our yes. communities. Yes, You start just a simple thing like that where you just open up your church on a Tuesday night or whatever where a group can meet together. I am telling you, first, first of all, it's, it's meeting a felt need. It's a yes, Christian-based it program. Mm-hmm. But... We, we've seen people giving their lives to the Lord as a result of this. Mm-hmm. It is a powerful opportunity for ministry. And it's, and again, we've got to start thinking felt needs. Right, we can't right, think, right. we've always done it this way. We've got to think, what are the needs and how can we meet the needs in our community? And I'm telling you, there are so many opportunities today. It's amazing to me that Jesus, his first miracle was a felt need. Yes. yes. His first miracle was turning water yep. into wine. It was a felt need. Yep. And if Jesus understood that, then maybe we... as we as leaders and pastors and churches, followers and imitators of Jesus need to start looking around and say, how can we use felt needs as a bridge to get the gospel to people? I, I totally agree. That's and I, I would say this, I know you asked for two. I'm going to throw th- a third one out okay. just for pastors. Sure. Here's, here's a unique thing that I've seen because we, if, if anything's happened over the last year and a half, it's actually made it's given us common ground as pastors, as fellow pastors. What I've seen is there is there is a uh, renewed sense of collaboration and a commitment to working together that I've never seen before in communities. Right, right. And, and, and so I would say, pastors, if, if if you find yourself isolated, you feel like you're all alone. Mm-hmm. Reach out. It might be it might be somebody from a different church, a different denomination. Reach out. I have I have seen uh, fellowship and community among pastors increase like never before, yes. and there's there's a sense of unity that ha, that marks pastors in our community. That and I, I mean I've been there for ten years. I've never seen this level, and it is cool to see what's taking place as as, as pastors are working together for the kingdom, lifting each other up in prayer. We're praying together, yes. serving together, advancing the kingdom together. Praise God! That's wonderful, Pastor Keith. Thank you so much for taking the time. we I just would love to just go right on. There's so many wonderful trails we could take in this discussion. Oh, yeah. And I know this is going to be valuable to people who will listen to the podcast. But before I close, would you would you please have a prayer? Pastor Keith, would you pray yes. for our pastors and for our churches? Would you do that right now before we close? I'd be honored. I'd be honored. Yes. Father, I thank you so much for the opportunity that I've, I've had to be on the podcast this morning. And Lord, I'm thankful that as we've talked, it, though there are plenty of challenges, there are plenty of, of things that we're, we're walking through. It seems like at times more questions than answers. 
what it's doing is not, it, it doesn't have to drive us away from you. Actually, it can point towards you. And I want to thank you for the faithfulness that you've shown yes. over the, the last, you know, the recent weeks, months, and even, even years to, to the pastors that are listening to this podcast. I want to thank you for how you've guided them, for how you've provided, even in the worst of times. And God, I don't know who is listening to this podcast, and I don't know who I'm praying for, but Father, if there is a pastor that is walking through a valley that he, he feels all alone, maybe he's, he's counting the cost, wondering if, if he should walk away. But God, I'm praying that in your grace and your goodness, you would open his eyes to, or their eyes to what's been taking place. I'm praying that in your goodness and your grace, that you would send another pastor and some, somebody yes, else to come yes. walk this journey with them. But God, I pray that, that, not, that, that we wouldn't only be seeing the challenges, though they do exist, and I don't want to minimize that. Lord, would you open our eyes to the opportunities that yes, exist? Lord, do it. The fields are still white to harvest. And Lord, I pray that you would continue to use us and, and God, that it wouldn't be about us, that we would raise up other leaders to be part of this incredible calling that you've given us. Or God, would you anoint our churches? Would you unify our churches? But Father, do this for the glory. Yes, do it for the glory of Christ and for the advancement of your kingdom. So for what you're going to do for, for the, these pastors, dear God, I, I just want to thank you for this. We appreciate their service. We love you. We love them. Looking forward to what is going to take place, believing the best is yet to come. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Keith. Appreciate it so very, very much. And we'll have to get you back on the podcast. Love it. Yeah, Thanks for having me. That's great. And ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening to today's Hope Along the Journey podcast. We deeply appreciate your listenership. Drop us a line. Let us know that you're listening. We'd love to hear from you. And as I always say, look to Jesus Christ because he truly is the hope of the world. And if you look to him, he'll help you to find hope along life's journey. God bless you. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. If you would like to know more about Hope Along the Journey, or if you would like to make a donation to show your support and appreciation for this ministry, then visit our website at hopealongthejourney.org. You can also follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Thanks again for listening, and we hope you'll join us again for more Hope Along the Journey.